Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we get going with today's show, I'd like to give a shout out to the fab team over at F45, who are the sponsors of this season of Welfare. The next 10 weeks of training chat wouldn't have been possible without them. Plus, a big learning from my own marathon journey is that there's more to going welfare than just running alone, which is why I teamed up with F45. Their functional training classes are designed to help build strength in body and mind. Honestly, I challenge any of you to take an all-star class and exit the building not feeling a little bit more badass. Hi team, welcome back to episode 7 of Welfare, the running podcast with me, Amy Lane. Last week, we got to the core of good running with Shona Virtue. We talked abs, core workouts and training with Beckham. If you haven't listened to that show yet, do. And now on to today's show. According to ClassPass data, there was an 82% increase in classes that incorporated treadmills into the workout in the past year. So I felt that it was only right that we talk about how to get the most out of indoor running. To help me, I've enlisted the help of David Seek. An avid runner since a young age, David designs running workouts for Equinox Fitness, the American luxury fitness company that's steadily growing its UK footprint. After our interview, I hand over to Kirsty Gallagher, who never fails to put a hell of a lot of soul into her stretch sequences. But before then, let's catch up on this week's News You Can Use. According to recent research, one in four women could be at risk of developing weak bones, with 26% of those studied having osteopenia. That's a condition that occurs before osteoporosis. To combat this, we should be focusing on weight-bearing exercises like walking, jumping and running. This is really key for 30-something women, as what you might not know, your bone mineral density peaks at around the age of 30 years. So guys, get running, get jumping, get walking. Before we head into the studio, I just want to do a quick shout out to Becky Yeats, who got a PB by taking over two minutes of her half marathon time in Amsterdam. Becky, that's so great. Thank you for sharing with us using hashtag welfare. Right then, it's time to get on to the meat of today's show with David. Let's head into the studio. Okay, guys, today we're going to talk treadmill running with the wonderful David Seek from Equinox. He is fresh in from LA for us. (laughs) Welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So, David, um, for everyone who doesn't know you here in London, please can you run us through your fitness CV? Sure. Um, I'm the senior manager of running for Equinox, so I run our running programs. And then I'm the co-founder of a thing called Precision Run, which is our main running event at Equinox. That's our signature treadmill format. And recently, it's a new brand under the Equinox umbrella. So it has a standalone presence in the U.S. now that's outside of our clubs. And what's a kind of an example precision running workout? Because how do you you bring that to life then for people? (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's so hard to explain. I always, lately I've been describing it as, this is the easiest way. It's a high performance running class disguised as a group fitness class. So I trick you into being an athlete. That's kind of the whole thing. It's authentic high performance running. So 
It's it has a formula. It has a lot of structure. And the reason it's called precision running is because it has this really unique balance. So what I did is um, several years ago, I developed a methodology. There was like some missing information in creating workouts on treadmills. And so it's called the bite method, the balanced interval training experience. And so we created this really super nerdy, fun formula that creates workouts that are so precise and they flow so well. And that's kind of the the secret sauce in Precision Run. It's basically track and field. It's really methodical. And before you know it, you're like, how did this get so hard? And how did I just run six miles? It's That's the biggest thing people will say is it's over. And people shake their heads and like, I have no idea where that six miles just came from. And it's it's the trickery in having a really well-designed workout that feels and flows right. It's magic on a treadmill when you get it right. Because you have a background in track and field, don't you? I do, yeah. I was an 800-meter sprinter. So the worst, by the way. <laughs> if anyone is listening and is like, I was a half-miler, they feel the pain. It's like the dragon of track and field. And so has that, because you because you grew up as an 800-meter sprinter and you learn how to train on a track, is that what you then transferred to the treadmill? Yeah, and it was also, I didn't make it as a professional runner. And, you know, I've talked about this in the past. And any athlete who doesn't make it and, you know, tries really hard to get there and just kind of falls short, you know, for any reason, you have to find a way to keep your love of that sport alive. So... I put my love into helping other people and I looked at what was happening with running and fitness and I thought, well, that is my biggest responsibility is to take my my absolute love of running and put it in a place that really needs some love right now, which was indoor running. And it became my my obsession and my focus and, and that's where it all started. We just launched the Precision Run Treadmill. So this is like the most exciting thing for me. We spent the last, um, I've been dreaming of the perfect treadmill my whole adult life. And I know everyone who's listening is probably like, this is like the weirdest guy ever. But I, like, I know who dreams about the perfect treadmill, but David does. <laughs> and what does the perfect treadmill look like? Because in the past couple of years, we've had great innovations. Mm-hmm. And I think obviously it's moving faster in the US than yeah. it has done maybe within the UK fitness market. But now Woodways yeah. are becoming the treadmill that most luxury gym chains have. And even, even mass market gym chains. Yeah. Um, but, what is the perfect treadmill and is there one better than another at the moment? I wouldn't go as far as say one is better than the other, but mm. my focus was on creating. So basically, I took everything that people don't like about the treadmill. I spent years and years collecting people's grievances, putting them in a basket, sifting through them, and then... Did you basically have to take that basket but make it into like a flatbed truck? Was... <laughs> it was a flatbed <laughs> truck. It was a train. It was a freight train. You know, here's the thing. We call it the treadmill, and I've done a lot of, you know, interviews and stuff about how much people hate this treadmill. But if we ever, if we take a step back and think about it, it is like a marvelous piece of technology that human beings have created. We don't give it enough credit. We created a moving ground with a computer attached to it decades ago. This was a really innovative machine that really never got its credit. So what I did with that freight train of grievances is I was just super determined and you know this is why I love my job because you know Equinox is such a powerful brand behind innovations and experiences so there was no better place and nobody else was going to let David in his little laboratory um, work on this but uh, they let me and what it is basically is it's two parts it was meant to be I wanted to create the user experience that was a game changer for people 
Um, the Precision Run treadmill was the first digital screen that had a recovery button on it, for example. That was one of like 15 different innovations on our what we call our dashboard. So it's this really high-tech, it even memorizes every interval speed you do and makes a button for you. It's like a smart treadmill. So it's super fun and engaging to use that that screen itself. It becomes almost obsessive. You really can't go on another treadmill for that part. So it's part technology. And then the other part was architectural. I wanted to build I wanted to build a treadmill, like the first treadmill ever that when somebody saw it, they had to go over and touch it. Like I was like, if I can do that, I can retire. Like that is like a that's my goal in life is to make a sexy treadmill. If I can make a treadmill sexy and make you want to touch it and run on it, goal achieved. There's walnut arm rails. So when you step off it is a woodway deck by the way. So you brought up woodway. Mm. I so for everyone that's listening in yeah. that's potentially maybe seen a woodway in a gym and doesn't quite know why it's different to say your treadmill from the 2000s, which is just about <laughs> why. So, yeah, simply. So woodway, to give them credit, they're the OG. They're the first what's called a slat belt treadmill. I'm sorry. Um, slat belts are basically individual bars. It looks like an army tread, and a lot of people see them now. And those little rubber slats, they move independently. So it's a much smoother, impact-absorbing experience. It's basically the, the, the most luxurious um, surface to run on on a treadmill. It's the best for your body. And once you try one, you're like, wow, that is a different experience. Sla- uh, regular belt treadmills are perfectly fine. But this is just kind of the, the higher performance version of it. And Woodway is the company that um, engineered and patented it originally. Now there's other companies that are building similar product, but it, they started it all. Mm-hmm. So they're, the, they're known for their quality. It's an architectural piece. And I want to, I so passionately wanted that for Equinox and for our members. I really believe they deserve it. And, and so that was part of my passion. And I'm so excited because we launched this for the Precision Run brand that was just put out there in the world. Uh, but we're now introducing this, this treadmill into the Equinox clubs. And I, like, I literally am sitting here like it's at Christmas every week. I'm waiting for the treadmills to arrive. And I want to be there just to, to like walk the members onto it and like this is for you and it's so exciting I can't wait for them to get this treadmill you touched upon uh, the woodway being kinder on your joints mm-hmm. let's talk about indoor running and the benefits that it can have for impact on the body mm-hmm. lessening impact on the body yeah that is a thing, right? It's a real thing. It's an important thing. <laughs> Why is treadmill running less impactful on the body than, say, just pounding the miles outside? Sure. And just to be really clear, you know, Precision Run's point of view is that you should still run outside. You should really enjoy outdoor running. We're not in the business of telling or trying to convince anybody they should not run outside. Precision Run was designed to be a balance mm. to running outside and a complement to running outside. And in the world we live in now... Um, I really believed it was not necessarily a luxury, but a necessity for a runner. And I've been practicing this for like 16 years now, and it really works to put some indoor running into your life. I run about 50% of my running indoors now, and I love it. And I've been doing that for about 16 years, injury-free, and I'm not like a superhuman. Like, I'm just like everyone else. I trip and fall downstairs and get hurt dancing like everyone else. Um, But so here's some of the major benefits, just bulleting them out Mm. um impact is a big one um remember that you know the treadmill is a softer surface you know simple physics it's a it's called shore hardness that we work in shore hardness is the basically it's the hardness of a surface that you run on and that's what um treadmills all have a rating basically concrete is the hardest so my friends out there listening if you do 
run on light-colored concrete. The lighter, the harder, usually. A lot of people don't know that. Oh. Blacktop is much softer. So in the summer months, if you are running outside and you're able to run on blacktop, it is technically a lot softer than concrete, which is the sidewalk surface, usually. Um, but the treadmill is infinitely softer than all of those. So that right there is the number one benefit. It's just a lot more shock absorbing. And then also people don't think about lateral movement. If you have injuries and you're recovering from something, you don't turn left or right. So if you have a knee injury, for example, um, it can you can tweak it. You can continue to aggravate it by stepping over a cobblestone or a puddle or Dog poop. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. uh, London is so busy. I am forever like dodging push chairs yep. or small Pomeranian dogs. Everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, exactly. But here's some surprising benefits that I think people don't think about. And one big benefit I've noticed myself is the lack of environmental stress. So remember that when you're indoor running, I tell my classes all this time when I'm coaching, don't scrunch up your face when the run gets hard because it's going to get hard. There's no need. There's no sun damage inside. So in California, I tell these runners all the time, like, you should enjoy that benefit. You're not out there beating your face with sun mile after mile over a lifetime. Air quality. You know, at Equinox, we put such emphasis on, like, air quality. The point is, when you run in areas, especially like in California, where we have fires, the air quality is very bad outside right now. You should not be running outside when, when it's a poor air quality, for example. Mm. Indoors is a filtered, clean air system. I do remember that actually a few years ago, I used to run a women's health run club and we had to cancel two in a row because the air quality in London was so bad that actually the government says, it's not safe to run outside yeah. right now. And so, yeah. It's, it's serious. And so if you take all these things, and also when it's cold outside, a lot of people are like, oh, it's a nice time to run outside. There's a big misunderstanding exhaust from cars sits lower to the ground in cold weather. So the air quality is actually worse when it's colder. A lot of people have that backwards in their mind. So in the colder months, that horrible air, the, the exhaust that comes out of cars, it hovers lower to the ground. It doesn't combust upward as quickly in the warmer months. So you add up all of these environmental things, you add the impact absorption, and then the last thing I would say is efficiency, which is probably in... I would say in today's world, especially people who are like high performance livers, they just they're busy people, they have families, they 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 need to run efficiently. They don't have time to go three, four hours on a running experience every day. The treadmill has created one of the most time efficient experiences on the planet. And you add all that stuff together. I just imagine after a lifetime of being a runner that all those things add up to like, you know, I don't know what the right analogy is but some golden prize at the end of your running life like you're gonna last a lot longer i think and you're probably gonna look a little younger <laughs> secretly it's been in the news this week that actually running is good for life longevity oh well i'm, I'm breaking I mean, breaking news. breaking news right I, was, I think i was seven when i first said that no yeah. i say this all the time and everybody tries to correct me all my friends you know in precision when we have a, a brand mantra that says uh, we're for runners and haters and there's a lot of haters out there, and they run, and so many of them like, oh, I'm saving, um, I'm saving my knees, and I'm so I can't wait to read your book, by the way. <laughs> like I, like there's such a great moment to talk about running differently because it's it's true, and I'm a science person, so I don't I'm not a I don't believe in a lot of fluff and controversy. I'm a science guy, and here's the thing I say to people all the time: 
not running is bad for your knees. And I say that, and somebody goes, oh, I think you said that backwards. I don't know. I said, not running is bad for your knees. And there's all of these, all of these things. There's so many studies that talk about the benefits of running one to three days a week, how you lower your incident of knee replacement and hip replacement. It's the opposite of what your friend, your hater friends will say, oh, I'm saving my knees for when I'm older. And here's the magic reason why. We are designed to run. Fact. We are organic beings. We're going to break down someday. The arc of life. We're going to slow down. We're going to shrink. All these things happen. Think about this. You were designed to run. Your body reacts to what you ask it to do, right? So all these studies show that runners build up an enormous foundation. Strong joints. Strong cartilage. Things like that. The fluid sacs around your knees. Super sexy, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so all, the, all these things that make you, you're, that you're asking your body to keep strong as a runner, it will. So when you turn a little bit older and the person next to you who didn't do any impact running or anything like that, you have a huge foundation to work with. The other person has nothing. And so this science in support of running is good for you, that's one of the reasons why. And the Berkeley Institute just came out with this study on um, lowering the risk of death from Alzheimer's and dementia. Mm -hmm. And they believe one of the biggest groups that have this um, benefit is runners. It's really interesting. So the benefits every day um, are increasingly expressed through research on how good running is for you. But here's the secret, everyone. It's not bad for you. You just hate it. And it's okay. Here's my thing. You can hate it. I, you can keep hating running your whole life. But if you can love to hate it, that's the secret. Because running is so – running can change your life even if you only do it a little bit. Um, and for some people, they will fall mild, madly in love with, with it, like me and probably you. But we have our hateful moments, don't we? Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I've always, I've had, I have hateful moments. I have, I have <laughs> put that on a t shirt. Yeah, I have hateful I have moments. moments. Um, I have moments where, like, I'm really scared of it. And actually, I don't feel confident in it. So, and I think perhaps that's why a lot of people don't change up what they do on the treadmills because they don't feel confident with knowing how to run differently on a treadmill as opposed to just getting on yeah. and running at a comfortable speed. Yeah. Um, but I do know that uh, when I've done a really tough session and I've gone through all of the speeds or the inclines or whatever, that I do come out stronger. Like, not necessarily just in body, but in mind because oh, I went, oh my God, I, I, did, I did it. 100%. And that's the other, you know, I... It, running is, they, you know, people often, running coaches will tell you that running is a full body experience. And it really is. It requires hundreds of calculations. Your body, to change a pace or change an incline, your body, your mind has to make all of these subconscious choices. Your, the the, the uh, pelvic tilt and the stride length and all of these things have to be decided with a flash of a second. So for anyone who's listening in who's potentially just been going out, running the same run at the same sort of speed for you know weeks and weeks and weeks <laughs> or years <laughs> yeah years um cause it's, a, it's you know it's what a lot of people do yeah. how do how should they approach treadmill running so they've gone into a gym there's a treadmill in front of them they don't have the luxury of being able to come to an equinox club uh -huh. so what would you suggest they do on a treadmill as a session okay well first of all they're the number one rule never get on a treadmill without a plan that's the number one rule for the rest of your life. Never get on a treadmill without a plan. And it doesn't have to be a big plan. 
just if you if you step on a treadmill and you're like texting somebody at the same time and then you hit the on button, you are almost guaranteed not to have a great experience. I've seen it a billion times. Um, that's what creates the treadmill. So how do you do that though? How do you have a plan? There's so much access out there. First of all, there's so many digital experiences now that are available to people to have your workouts. I would say if you're really interested, find one. And secondly, like I wrote a book a couple of years ago. Um, it won't be nearly as good as your book. I can guarantee that. <laughs> oh, but I mean, no, I haven't uh, read yours. I wrote that book just for that reason. And now there's so many digital experiences. And what it is, is it just breaks down some workouts for you. But here's the other thing too. People don't trust themselves. I have so many people who say, well, I don't know how to create a workout. I bet you could. You're not going to hurt yourself. I mean, you're going to quit if it's too hard. Write something down. I tell everybody to do this. The most powerful thing you can do is self-empowerment in running. Write down a plan. So okay. would, would you start with speed or incline? But a little bit of both. Play with it. Be creative. Like if you hate incline, start with speed. Um, on a little sticky note, write down, okay, I'm going to do five one-minute pushes. I don't really know what my speeds are going to be yet, but I'm going to go just – I'm going to go fast for a minute. Then I'm going to walk for a minute. Then I'm going to go fast. Play with it. Learn you, what you struggle with. Learn what speeds are your ranges. And do that for 10 minutes. Write it on a sticky note. Stick it on the treadmill so you can stare at it. Um, and then you will walk away from that one experience being like, oh, it's not that scary. And I have all these ideas of how I could make it more dynamic and interesting. And you grow from, that's what happened for me. And, and now it's, it started so simple. And now some of the workouts are so intricate. It's really fun. It's super fun to kind of craft your own workout. And there is no right or wrong. I mean, there's some parameters and you'll learn quickly. Like I'm not going to sprint on a 15% incline for five minutes. Like you're going to learn those things, but um, it all comes down to having a plan and it doesn't have to be complicated. Even if it's, I'm going to pick up my pace every minute for five minutes. It's five minutes of your life. Start simple. Walk, add one kilometer per hour every 30 seconds and see where you end. See where it's, it gets hard enough that you feel like you have to step up. If you don't self-discover as a runner, I believe this. If you get on a treadmill and you don't allow yourself to discover some things about yourself, then you'll never fully unlock your best potential. Nobody can tell another person how to become a better runner. I think it's this huge misconception that my job is to make you a better runner or to make you fall in love with running. I can't do that. I can guide you and give you recommendations and give you you know some, some advice here and there. But the, the best way to become a runner or get over your fear of running is to do it yourself. Okay. I'm going to get out that sticky note. <laughs> <laughs> Quick ad break. We all know that training can be a long, lonely road. So spark joy beyond the odd nod to strangers by joining a fitness tribe. There have been so many times when I found some much needed motivation from a group workout. One of the strongest fitness communities out there is F45. Their slappy high-five atmosphere and buzzy studio is a great contrast to solo slogs. Thank you, F45, for supporting today's pod. How does uh, running at a speed on a treadmill indoors compare to trying to run at that speed outdoors? Mm. Because I found that I can hit faster speeds indoors than I hit outdoors. Yeah, that's a good question. A lot of people ask that. So... Um, on a, and here's the difference. So if you're on a regular belt treadmill, the one that's just a giant be- regular belt, mm-hmm. the traditional one, it's a little bit slower than if it was outside. And it's a thing called slippage. The belt stretches a little bit when you step down. So if you go 10 kilometers per hour um, outdoors, 
that pace on a regular traditional treadmill is, I'm just going to throw make up a number, but it's probably like 9.5. It's a little slower. Mm. Make sense? Yeah. And a lot of people will get on a woodway and say, uh, that feels a lot fast. The 9.5 feels a lot faster on a woodway than it does on a traditional treadmill. That's because the woodway's engineered belt doesn't bend down the middle. So it's way more accurate. So right. 9.5 kilometers per hour on a slat belt treadmill a.k.a. a woodway treadmill, is the same as 9.5 outside. It's almost exactly the same. They just feel so different. They do. I know. And a lot of people, and that's okay. People are like, this is too hard. This is harder. I'm like, no, it's just real. <laughs> it's exactly what it would be outside. Incline is another thing too, by the way, that um, it's been a huge focus of ours. There's been a lot of misunderstanding on how to use incline. Talk to me how we should be using it. Okay, so um, incline is good for your knees. In- incline takes pressure off your knees. Um, and But here's the thing. There was a lot of articles that came out several years ago about incline being really good for your knees. And as a runner my whole life, I thought, well, that's true, but I know there's a missing piece to these stories as a competitive runner. You would never train on steep inclines all the time. And I couldn't quite figure out why, so I did my research. And long story short, there are a lot of inclines that are good for your knees. Now, there are some inclines when you get over a certain percentage that you do start to put some cons with the pros. Does that make sense? You have to bend forward a little bit more. You put a little more pressure on your lower back. So we have a 5% incline rule in Precision Run. Uh, We use big inclines. We go up to 15%. So we say you can sprint as fast as you're capable of on any incline up to 5%, and the pros outweigh the cons, basically. Mm. And we've been doing this for years now, and it's, it's magic. So people who were having issues with their lower back and they couldn't figure out why, when they stopped sprinting all the time on these big inclines and got it a little bit more under control, all of a sudden, the lower back stopped hurting. The knees stopped hurting. And that and that principle philosophy can be applied to anybody on a treadmill. Totally, I suppose. it doesn't. It's not just specific within precision running. No. Anyone that's listening in, they can try that out for themselves. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be that specific. We tested it five, six, seven, in and around that area, and we found that five was the magic number for 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 that type of sprinting. But yeah, you don't have to. You can sprint on a six percent incline, and you're not going to hurt yourself. But a, a general rule is if you're going to do a lot of fast sprinting, use inclines up to five. You can kick your ass on inclines up to 5%. But if you get over that 5%, just play with bringing down the speed a little bit or balancing it with with your speed because that is a lot. that's really important um, with treadmill running or any running really is balance, making sure that you're not out of control. Control. That is a nice segue into my next question. <laughs> How should runners be controlling themselves on a treadmill? Do you have any kind of like form tips and where you should be running on a belt? Because I think uh, well, when I first got onto a treadmill, I do remember just trying to run as close as possible to the screen yeah. because I was scared of flying off the back. <laughs> um, so where should we be? And is there a form checklist? Yes. And you just said the first one. So stop hugging your treadmill. It doesn't love you. <laughs> I've had this conversation a million times. If we just tell people what not to do, they don't do it. If we tell them why they shouldn't do it, it's a difference. So let me just tell you the whys. Yes. Why do you hug your treadmill? It's comfortable. It's safe. The stop button is right there. You don't want to go far away from the stop button. So people have this subconscious need to get as close to the controls as possible, to grab onto the handlebars. Um, But here's the thing. You're not going to fall off if you scoot back six inches. And you can still reach the stop button if you have to. It's a complete psychological thing. So 
training in here. So what happens is if you run right up against your console, what happens is you don't realize it, but you end up shortening your stride. You end up, well, not that shortening your stride is bad, but you end up creating an abnormal movement. You can't swing your arms normally. So you end up doing this weird staccato, stubby, you start to hunch your back. And people don't even know they're doing it. But when you get really close to your monitor, your whole posture starts to shrink, shrivel, and bend. And, and You become like a T-Rex. You become a T-Rex, yes. And I practice this. Go try it. If you're listening, try this next time on a treadmill. Run fast, close to the monitor, and then creep back to the middle of the belt. And you'll be like, oh my gosh, David's right. I feel so much more free and natural. I feel like myself in the middle of the treadmill. And that's really important. So that's number one. And you'll have to remind yourself all the time. I get stressed out and I get tired and I start hugging that treadmill too. And it's also more stable. A lot of people don't realize treadmills bounce when you're running on an incline and they will not bounce if you run in the middle of your belt. There's a sweet spot in every treadmill. And if you learn to run more toward the center of a treadmill belt, any treadmill, it will have, it'll be more stable because it's designed that way. The incline feet are not in the front of the treadmill. They're a little further back usually. So that's one thing. Why do people step off the treadmill and step on the treadmill? Yeah. Okay. They step off the treadmill usually because the treadmill takes so long to slow down. And, and I'm just being really honest with people. It's a little bit of laziness. Mm. Deceleration is an important part of being a human being. You have a whole chain reaction in your body that deals with a thing called braking, slowing down. It's not supposed to be comfortable, but your body has to have it in order to stay strong and stable. When you walk down a hill... You have to use your braking mechanisms to support your knees and stuff. And if all you've done in your run training is step off the side of the treadmill, you've deconditioned your ability to do that kind of stuff. So, And it's less work. Slowing down requires a lot of muscle engagement because you got to remember to slow down or pick up a weight. Your body has to absorb energy. So your muscles are working to slow you down. So if you get on a treadmill, listen, why do we get on a treadmill? Let's be honest. We want to keep the same our favorite jeans fitting right <laughs> let's every runner even me a competitive runner let's not lie about it we get on a treadmill because we want to keep our body in check ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's... Or get fast. Like, I I got... I started treadmill running because I wanted to get faster in my marathon running. Yeah, and it, that's happening for a lot of people. Mm. And and so doing those type of things, right, stepping off the treadmill every time a coach says recover or you know that you're done with your interval isn't going to help you become a faster runner. And furthermore, you know, it's really not safe and it's not a natural movement. If you think about that, human beings, we don't, we can't, you can't physically stop. 
like no. on a dime. I was just actually I hadn't thought about that until you until you said it now. But like when I've done my speed work on a track, sometimes I run with a track club, and we're running like one hundred, two hundred meter sprints or a four hundred meter. You don't cross the line and instantly, instantly stop. stop. No, I don't. I don't jump my feet to the side. No. Like there, there's a deceleration like period, and that might yep. just be ten, twenty meters. Very short. But it, but you know. It's not immediate, so it's important, and it's it's it's. I would say it's ten percent of your workout, but also stepping on a fast-moving treadmill. A lot of people will accelerate the treadmill belt, and then they'll hop on the treadmill. So the opposite—that's also super dangerous. You make one wrong move mm-hmm. when you step down. I I equate it to stepping out of a moving car. So if you're like hey, you're partying and you're like I'm getting out of this cab right now, you wouldn't step out of a, a moving cab. No. You hit the ground that's already moving underneath you. You could set yourself up for a lot of injuries. And again, you also have an acceleration chain. That's another 10% or, or so of your workout. So you keep taking away those little things because you're not allowing your mental toughness to, st- to stay with you. Then you're, you're not getting the most out of the workout. So stop stepping on and stepping off. Yeah. Be a, be a responsible runner. How about form? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Form in, listen, biomechanics is like one another one of my passions. Um, here's the thing. Don't overthink it. There's a little bit of, I see a movement happening right now, by the way. I think in the next couple of years, we're going to be talking about this more on overcoaching. There's a lot of coaches like myself that have been discussing in little, we have our little secret rooms that we talk about. <laughs> other, it's, we're such a creepy little society of like run coaches, but the conversation I've seen lately in these little secret society of run coaches is, are we really overcoaching form too much? Because there's new studies coming out now saying that if someone doesn't have, quote unquote, what looks like perfect form, but you ask them to change it, there's a lot of studies now showing or a few studies showing that you can that those people actually get injured after they change their form to make it more, quote unquote, normal. Now, there's some generalities, some things that are well supported in science. So let me give you those things because mm. those are things we can all work on. Yeah, uh, just just a simple checklist. Arm drive. Arm drive. Big one. Now, we fail from the head to the toes when we run. Think about this. The next time you're on a treadmill, I want everyone out there to think about the course of their workout. You fail with your posture on the top first. You start to hunch your shoulders. Mm. Then you start to swing your arms incorrectly. Then you start to pivot on your pelvis and your hips. You give up on the legs last because you need them. You'll fall off the treadmill. So it's <laughs> serious. Our body fails. It gets rid of, it gives up on the things that are least necessary in perfect order. It's like magnificent how our bodies work. Arm drive is the big one though. What happens is just basically remember you have a center line and we're designed, most of us, to be symmetrical beings. So when you drive your one arm, your opposite leg is your counterbalancing lever. It is so important. It's it's one of the signature parts of being a human being. I'm and I, I know it's so. Cre- I sorry, I get really excited about this. No, stuff. I love it. Keep going. People. Right arm, left leg. Left arm, right leg. We don't learn to walk same arm, same leg. It's super weird, right? So, when you drive your right arm forward, your left knee is driving as well, and they're counterbalancing each other so you don't twist. Twisting is really bad for us as human beings, the way our spines are, the way our pelvis and hips are. So you don't want to twist when you run. So what happens is when your knee drives straight upward, if you get lazy with your arms and deactivate the muscles, stop using your muscles to drive your arms straight and you start crossing sideways, so across your center line, you're not crossing, you're not counterbalancing in the same plane. It was we talk in fitness. Mm. So what happens is you're not getting the best counterbalancing measure 
and those forces and you start to twist. So try, I, I, you can practice listening right now. You can like literally run in place, like do high knees and keep your arms planted at your sides and you'll feel your entire body twisting side to side and then just start using your arms forward and back. Everything is, all is right in the world. Everything settles into place. You stop twisting. It's amazing when you start to feel the difference. So when you get tired, check yeah. yourself. Now, when you're doing distance running, it's a little different because you're not creating the same amount of power. Mm. But if you're doing interval work on a treadmill, simple rule is try to keep your hands from crossing your center. You can get close. You don't have to run like a robot. I know I do run like a robot because I spent a lot of time thinking about how I was running. So maybe I was over coaching myself. Maybe. But sometimes I'm in the gym at the same time as my husband and <laughs> and uh, and <laughs> and he would just walk past and he would be like Wow, it's the Terminator running again. Yeah, what are you so angry about? Who are you punching? <laughs> Foot strike on a treadmill. Yep. Um, I've heard that, or I've heard people coach people to try and think about a certain type of foot strike on a treadmill. For anyone listening in, is that something that they should be aware of? Or should it just be, like you said, just get on a treadmill and run? Yeah, pr- mostly that. Pretty simple. And there's also... so. I'm a big believer that your foot strike is, should be natural, mm-hmm. natural movement. And what it is is when we walk our jog slowly without being coached, our heel touches first. We have a fat pad in our heel, super sexy. And <laughs> that fat pad is designed, it's your calcaneus fat pad, and it, it absorbs shock. And that's what it's designed for. So you can't argue that we are designed in slower speeds in certain um modalities to be heel to toe so my rule of thumb is when you're slower jogging and moderate speeds if it feels right heel to toe is perfectly fine you're not going to hurt yourself now when you're sprinting though Mm. you should have less heel contact your body already wants to do that it should move up more and more toward the front of your foot here's my thing if you're sprinting all out and you can't get up on your balls of your feet as a coach would say get up on the balls of your feet if you can't do that and you're striking with your heel slow down you're going too fast and go do some leg strengthening do some calf strengthening jump rope a couple times a week what happens is you'll land in the front of your foot and your calves your soleus that infrastructure will become strong enough to support your body weight and slow you every time you sprint and that will save your knees so basically running on your heels when sprinting is really bad for your knees Great. And, and get the jump rope in. Get the jump get rope the in. Get the jump rope in. Yep. Um, before getting onto a treadmill, this seems like a very this seems like a very odd point in this conversation to ask, what should you do before getting on a treadmill? But we haven't touched upon it. So do you believe that people should be doing a warm-up before getting on a treadmill? Because in our current world, people use the treadmill as a warm-up, if that makes yeah. sense. And that's okay. So here's the thing, general rule of thumb. Um, static stretches doing a, a, a hamstring stretch and holding it, don't do that before you run. So stay away from st- stretches you hold mm. before you run. The best thing you can do is is true. You get on a treadmill and walk or jog for a few minutes before you get into the, the work. But if the new thing now, and I'm, I love this, it's been a game changer for me, is we have all these regeneration tools. And I know we have them at Equinox, but anybody can get these products. Um, I'm a big, I don't know how, if they're here in the UK, but I'm a big fan of Hyperice. Um, these uh, it's, the muscle have, guns. Yes, and yeah. they have a thing called the Hypervolt, and we have those in all of our Precision Run studios for all of the runners to use. That is an incredible new um, warm up tool, and so you want to make sure that you're using stuff like that, like a vibrating roller or a roller movement 
or dynamic stretches like skipping. So if you're going to do stuff off the treadmill, that's fine. Do things like skipping or, you know, some light squats or you want to do dynamic movement, not static movement, because a lot of people who do static movement end up pulling a muscle before they're hydrated. So just move around, dance. I don't know, dance in your bathroom before you go to the gym and you'll be ready to go. I love that. (laughs) And you've mentioned recovery a couple of times. Is there a way to, and it's such a big topic at the moment, isn't it? And, you know, I I understand that we need to to have it and it is so important. But how do runners use the treadmill for recovery? Is Is it a thing that can be done because otherwise I feel like we're asking them to do so many things. Yeah, I mean, the, tr- the treadmill is like, because we, all the things we talked about today, like mm. the lower impact and the lower stress environment that it is, it almost becomes like a recovery run itself. You don't have to run hard on a treadmill to have a decent little workout. So if you're sore and you're tired, but you want to move, there's nothing better than spending 10 or 15 minutes on a treadmill jogging it out. You know, we have, you can watch the news or you can, it's okay to have those days. And those are great recovery days. Um, You know, one other thing too, that is just maybe interesting to you that people aren't talking about right now that I think we will start talking about more is how you close with the way you, I believe this, and I've been kind of obsessed with reading some, some research on how you end your workout. I don't think we're focusing on that right now. A lot of times it's like, bang, especially in boutique fitness and all this. It's just, and I love that. It's important. It's valuable to walk out and be like, yeah, I'm a, I'm, you know, I'm a superhero and, and be like shaking with excitement. That's good. But if you actually read some studies on the parasympathetic nervous system for performance running or running hard, is it better to walk out of that practice being calm? being complete. So the thing that I think, well, I'm focusing right now in our running category is how do you complete a run? Nobody's focusing on that. Yeah, we do a couple stretches at the end of the workout and some abs and move on with your day. There's a whole opportunity. So we do uh, we do like 45 seconds of mindfulness at the end of every precision run class in the labs and studios. And it's weird at first for people, people lay down on the treadmill and the woodway like vibrates and hums underneath <laughs> you. It's really pleasant. But we literally have your eyes closed and we do breathing exercises for 45 seconds. I watch these runners. I, I can barely wake them up. They get so deep into their mind and they're calming down their nervous system that when you sit up, you feel like that weighted blanket feeling. And they walk out not doing cartwheels and screaming and throwing things and I'm, you know, but they walk out feeling complete and ready to move on to the next chapter of their day. That is an important part of regeneration is not what you do the day after or later in that evening. What do you do the moment it's over? And nobody focuses on that. It really matters. Your closer is going to dictate how the rest of your regen goes. So would you suggest, you've just mentioned closing a workout, would you suggest to any runner that actually just to tag on 45 seconds at the end of any workout just to yes. lie down? And you don't have to even lie down. Okay. Walk it out. Stop the treadmill for a second. Um, here's a great, here's if you're going to, don't want to lie down or you don't have time for that. Um, stop your treadmill. Sit there, grab onto the handlebars and like you can lean back and kind of stretch your back out. Mm. Close your eyes and just 30 seconds, just stand there and breathe and just let the world melt away having that brief moment of bringing your heart rate down is so viable i tell everybody no one wants to cool down 
nobody wants to close a workout because they think it's inefficient. They think it's not important in their day. Well, also, yeah, because your mind's already on to the next thing. Yeah. You picked up your phone, you might be doing something on your phone, or you're like, right, I need to rush back to the office or whatever, or go dinner, you know? Yeah, it, it is such, just try it and you'll see it is such an enormous difference to spend that one minute after you hit the stop button on that treadmill, maybe you throw a quick stretch in. You can do your static stretches after. Sit there and do a quad stretch or something, but just take a quiet second there. I think the best thing to do is go to a stretching area if you're in the gym and just lay down there for a second, stay calm, breathe for 30 seconds, and let yourself come down. Come down is not a bad thing after running. It's an important thing. It's it's such it's so sad to me that we we put ourselves through this really tough workout and you create this very rare elusive thing called the runner side that's very hard to get doing anything else and we don't take advantage of that moment like clear your mind let go of i tell my runners all the time take that minute and let go of all the crap that's stressing you out that morning or that night let it go and you'll walk out of it like okay I'm ready for my meeting. Like, I'm ready to, like, kick some major ass today. And it's such a different experience than if you just treated it as a workout and didn't come down at all and, and reset yourself. I'm going to do it. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe uh, our time is up. Thank <sighs> you so much for everything that you've shared with me and the Welfare Gang. Um, where can people find you on social media? Because also... Guys, I'm setting you the task. You need to do your come down at the end of your run and you need to share it with David and I. So, Oh, I'd love to see that. That'd yeah. be so fun to watch people do that or see a little snap of their like eyes close. Um, uh, I'm on, I mean, Instagram is my, uh, my main interaction with people. Um, and it's at David Seek. Everyone thinks it's Silk, but it's S-I-I-K. So David Seek. David Seek. Yeah. Fantastic. Hi, I'm Kirsty Gallagher, and I'm going to take you through a short, well-chill yoga flow. This is a twisty, stretchy flow to help you to wring things out and release your hips and shoulders after your run. For this short class, you'll need to be barefoot, on a mat if you have one, but otherwise the flow will do, and you don't need anything but you for this practice. To begin, come into child's pose. Take a couple of really long, slow, deep breaths. Just beginning to feel your heart rate slow down. Over these next few breaths, start to feel into how your body is feeling after your run today. And maybe have a little move and wiggle from side to side into the ribs and into the shoulders. Swaying through the hips to start to feel the body just really gently unravel. Spreading out your fingers in front of you really nice and wide. Feel the connection of the palms on the earth. Next time you inhale, make your way back onto all fours. And let's just move through a couple of rounds of cat-cow. As you inhale, release your belly down to the floor. Draw your shoulders onto the back, gaze up. As you exhale, pressing the floor away, lift and round into your spine, drawing your belly button and your heart up. Inhale, dropping the belly down, feeling the heart pull through. As you exhale, pressing away the floor, feeling that lift and round sensation through the spine. Keep this going just a few more times, feeling the spine begin to open.
At the end of this next one, bring yourself back to centre. Give a little light lift of the belly button up towards the spine. Your left palm will stay on the floor. Next time you inhale, reach the right arm out to the side, up towards the sky. As you exhale, we thread the right arm under and through behind the back of the left wrist into thread the needle. We'll keep this going a few more times as you inhale, wrap the left side ribs around underneath you. Open the whole body to the right as the right arm reaches to the sky. As you exhale, thread the right arm behind the back of the left wrist. Two more times. Inhale as you open. Exhale to thread through. One last time. Inhale, reach and lift as much as you can. As you exhale this time, come through to lie down on the outside edge of the right shoulder. Right cheek and ear will be on the floor and snuggle yourself in as deep as you can. With your left hand, palm is down flat onto the floor. Take the elbow up towards the ceiling and use the left hand not only for support but also to deepen the stretch if you need to. As you press the left palm into the floor, feel the left side ribs opening themselves up towards the sky as though you want to spin your belly, chest and heart further round to the sky. Breathe here. Every inhale gives you more space. Every exhale, relax something, anything. Just take two more breaths. At the end of your next breath, taking your time, allow your body to really gently unfold, making your way back onto all fours again. Let's do the same thing on the other side. With your next inhale, your left arm will reach up into the air, turning your body around towards the left. As you exhale, threading the left hand behind the back of the right wrist, stretching as far through as you can go. Three more times. Inhale, pressing the right palm into the floor as left fingers reach to the sky. Exhale and thread through. Last two. Inhale as you reach. And exhale, thread through. Last one. Inhale, reach and lean back into this. As you exhale, this time come through to lie down on the outside edge of your left shoulder, left cheek and ear on the floor, snuggle in as much as you can. And then your right palm, spread the right fingers out, press the palm into the floor. Your right elbow is up to the sky. And as you press the right palm into the floor, use that to turn your belly, chest and heart to the sky. Breathing into the neck, breathing into the shoulders, soften everything. Each time you inhale, there's a bit more space. Each time you exhale, soften in. Let's take two more breaths. At the end of your next breath, allowing your body to unravel all the way back onto all fours. And take a moment, just have a little move, a little wriggle, a little reset into anything you need to. From here, step your right foot up outside your right hand. Wiggle your left knee as far back away from you as it will go. And the next time you inhale, reach your right arm up into the air. Pressing your left palm into the floor, start to turn the belly and the ribs up towards the sky. If you have a little bit more room here, you're welcome to lift the back knee, the left knee up off the floor. Otherwise, keep it down. 
And now to move into our upper back to give us more space, let's do that same flow we just did on all fours. With an inhale, lean a little bit back into this as you reach the right fingers a little higher to the sky. As you exhale, thread once again the right fingers behind the back of the left wrist, curling yourself in. Again, we inhale, reach and open, expand your whole body as you stretch exhale curl in take the right fingers behind the back of the left wrist let's do that two more times inhale as you open all the way up lean back exhale and thread through one more time inhale as you open all the way up exhale as you thread all the way through for one last time, inhale, reach the right fingers all the way up to the sky, stretch and open and lift up and back. And this time as you exhale, bring your right hand onto the floor inside your right foot. Drop your left knee down onto the floor if you had it lifted. So now you've got the two hands on the floor inside your right foot. Sink forwards and down into the hips a little bit more. And now begin to very gently roll onto the little toe edge side of your right foot. So the big toe begins to lift and you start to let the right knee drop out to the side just as far as it will go, just as far as feels good for you today. Take a couple of really long, slow, deep breaths here, just allowing the hip to open. If this is enough for you today, please feel free to stay here. Otherwise, we're going to find a little twist here. If you can, bring your left forearm down onto the floor. Your right hand will come on top of your right knee and then start to turn the left side ribs around underneath you, gently pressing your right knee away from you as you lengthen through the crown of your head and turn your belly, chest and heart to the sky. Keep the hips sinking low as you turn, 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 gently pushing away that right knee and give me just two more really, really big breaths here. Take one more. Allow yourself to really slowly release back again. Stepping the right knee back in line with the left knee, sinking your bum back onto your heels into a child's pose. And as you get there, just take a little sway one way and then the other, just releasing that out, feeling how that feels in your body. Noticing maybe how the right side feels compared to the left. Spreading out the fingers in front of you, palms flat on the floor as you inhale, make your way up onto all fours. And this time, step your left foot outside your left hand. Wiggle your right knee back as far, far, far away from you as you can so you're sinking the hips down nice and low. And then with the right palm staying on the floor, inhale, take the left arm up into the air. Allow the whole body here to twist open and once more on this side you have the option to lift the back knee up off the floor if that feels good for you today. Let's add our little rotational flow. The next time we inhale, lean all the way back into this and as you exhale, thread your left fingers behind the back of the right wrist, curling the body in a little. Let's do that three more times. Inhale as you open, lean back, stretch back, twist back. As you exhale, thread the left fingers behind the back of the wrist. Two more times. Inhale as you open. Exhale to thread through. 
One more time. Inhale, reach and lift and lean and open as far as you can. As you exhale, thread the left fingers behind the back of the wrist. Last time, inhale the left arm up to the sky. As you exhale, bring the left hand onto the floor inside the left foot. So you've got the two palms down now on the floor inside your left foot. Drop the right knee down if you had it lifted. Take a breath or so just to settle here to let the hips sink, the heart pull gently forwards. And now start to gently roll out onto the little toe edge side of your left foot. The knee will drop to the side, the big toe will lift and you might go a little or a lot. Just be very aware of your own body, be aware of where your body needs you to be and just breathe here. Notice how this side feels and if this is enough for you today then stay, just enjoy the stretch. If you want to add the twist, right palm stays on the floor or the right forearm down onto the floor if you can. Left hand comes on top of the left knee and then start to wrap your right side ribs around underneath you, turning your belly, chest and heart to the sky as you gently press your left knee further and further away from you. Let the hips sink down. Allow the crown of your head to lengthen forwards as you turn and turn and turn a little bit deeper. Let's take two more breaths. Take one more. And then slowly allow yourself to release all the way back down again. Slide your left knee back in line with your right knee. Sink your bum back onto your heels. Find your child's pose. And again, give yourself a moment here just to breathe. Let's finish off our practice time together here with just a really nice, easy side stretch to lengthen out through the sides of the body. From your child's pose with your arms stretching out in front, start to walk your upper body over towards the right so your body comes over your right knee. Don't worry too much about what your right hand is doing, but start to stretch into your left fingertips, feeling your left bum cheek really heavy on your left heel, stretch through the whole of the left side of your body. Breathe into the side waist, breathe into the ribs, breathe into the space underneath the arm, and just take a last few breaths here, really expanding into that left side of your body. At the end of this next breath, walk yourself slowly back to centre and then walk your upper body over towards the left so your chest comes over your left knee, your right bum cheek stays down on the right heel and now start to stretch your right fingers as far away as you can, feeling that length from right bum cheek as it sinks down into right fingers as you lengthen them away. Breathe into the waist, the ribs, up into the arm. Allow the whole of your right side body to lengthen and open. Take a last deep breath here. And then slowly walk yourself back to centre. Push up to sit on your heels if that is possible. If not, swing your legs around in front for a comfortable cross leg. Close your eyes. Let your chin drop down in towards your chest. And to close our practice time here together, just very gently roll your right ear towards your right shoulder and then the chin back in towards the chest. 
Let the left ear roll towards the left shoulder and back in towards the chest, repeating those half neck rolls just a couple of times. Maybe adding a little shoulder shrug if you feel that that's what your body needs. Taking just the last moment or so now to feel how you feel after your run, after your short, well chill yoga flow. Whenever you feel ready to, moving back into the rest of your day or your evening ahead. Thank you so much for practicing with me. If you'd like to find any more details or find my whereabouts, you can find me at my website, kirstygallagher.com, or give me a follow on Instagram, Kirsty Gallagher, and I really hope to flow with you again somewhere sometime soon. Thank you. I'm back, guys. I hope you really enjoyed our new cool down session. If you did, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. I know it's a bit annoying because all us podcasters ask for it all the time, but it really does help other runners in need of some help find the show and let them into our community. So please, you know, go on, leave me a comment and also hop over to IG and share your posts using hashtag welfare. I love seeing them. Before I go, I just want to say a final shout out to F45 for supporting my mission of helping you guys get well fit so you can run welfare. I genuinely couldn't have done this season without them. Head to f45training.com forward slash welfare to join a global fitness community like no other. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>